The following program is for adult audiences only. On this episode, we have a smorgasbord of topics to cover. Like, that's anything new for you guys out there. First, we'll discuss the two most feared words in a man's life. Yes, sir, that is size matters. But it's not what you think, because contrary to popular belief, we're not really that kind of show. Then we have some crazy news of the weird stories that involve a man amputating his own leg in front of his daughter. Yes, this shit really happened. The police, Rick, the police are no match for a masturbating man. And life is a highway until that highway is full of dildos and lube. Fantastic. In Creature of the Week, we'll head down to South Carolina and hunt the infamous lizard man. And we'll ask the question, how can something be scientifically proven if no recognized science proved it? And as always, we will wrap up with the final installment of Trailing Peter Underwood in this week's Ghost Watch. All of that and so much more on this week's Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk. And welcome, one and all, to another edition of the Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV and Talk. We are your hosts. I am Rick Hale. He is Stephen Lancaster, both authors, both ghost hunters. We are probably the best duo working in paranormal land at this moment. So, Stephen, welcome and good day. Hey, thank you for welcoming to our own show. You're quite welcome. That's very cordial of you. I like to think of myself as being the gentleman ghost hunter. Well, that's nice. I'm trying this new, like, ring thing uh, mm-hmm. to try to keep my, my camera in focus. We're going to see how well that that pans out, see what kind of review it gets. I can see it in your glasses. Yeah, I had it directly in front of me, and it, it looked like I had these glowing eyes. I was like, yeah, I don't want to roll with that the whole show. It looked like Elton John, man, wearing those, like, yeah, those see, lights. There we go. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ricky, it's a new week. It is almost October. It is almost the greatest month of the year. Hell yeah. And we've already started here at uh, Casa de Hale. We have all of our um, decorations up. Looks beautiful. And uh, actually watched my very first horror movie of the season i mean i watch horror movies all the time but there are some that i that i save just for you know spooky season and i watched the original house on haunted hill with vincent price yeah yeah, like one of my all-time favorite films um they they just don't make them like that anymore steve no you know everything is called end of the world dystopian bullshit i mean they just don't have that suspense that these old horror movies used to have and, you know, as people expect with this show, we're always doing something amazing and incredible. And, of course, October is oh, going to be no exception. 
we're going to have great topics. You know, we like to bring horror movies into our discussion. And I think something great for October, Rick, is going to be horror movies where something actually happened. Okay. Something paranormal actually happened to the actors while filming this based on a true story or this, that, or the other thing. And I thought that would be an interesting thing to discuss in October, as well as we have our special that's including you guys, your stories. And Rick, we've got four so far. Four. We do. Oh, that's fantastic. We've got four. I haven't been saying nothing. I've been wanting to talk about them, but it's like, let's just keep them coming, guys. Shadow Initiative Talk at gmail.com or hit us up at Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. Uh, share us your paranormal stories. And the interesting thing is, not all of them are from believers. Oh, some of them are from a skeptic standpoint. And I thought that was pretty cool to level this out. But before we kick things off, Rick, I do once again want to thank. Amazon Music and Audible and especially our distributor Red Circle for whatever reason uh, putting us in the top list of podcasts on Amazon Music for the next two weeks. So that so is- then it it's more than just family members and some guy in Saskatchewan can't right. listen. To us. Right, and, and people in prison, nice. you know. So yeah, yeah. There we're you real, go. We're, we're we're real big there. Yep. But I got to tell you this before we get started on, on our on our topics. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot of them today. Um, I know, I think, Stephen, you have some that you, you like, you like surprise me with these things. You like hit me right on with them. But, you know, I just wanted to answer to that to the skeptic. Like, you know, I know that a lot of people in the paranormal field, they get a little bit weird about dealing with skeptics. But I got to tell you something, Stephen, I love a good skeptic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do. Um, I think that skeptics keep us grounded and keep us constantly looking for um, uh, the best evidence possible to present the world. How, how do you feel about that? I absolutely agree. I mean, what kind of science sits around a table and they all agree? How boring is that? Right. You know, that, right. and unfortunately, 90% of the paranormal teams out there, and we'll talk about them later, are like that. They just, mm-hmm. they all just kind of boost each other's ego and pat each other on the back. But to have that person sit there and say, well, what about this? That mm-hmm. to me is more interesting. You know, it's funny. I actually quit a paranormal group that I was running with for the longest time, not the longest time, but a, f- a few years. I had one of the reasons I quit because I had the main guy tell me that I was too skeptical. I mean, me. Too right, skeptical. Right. I am. I am like a dyed-in-the-wool hardcore believer, but I'm also. I don't turn my brain off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I would think and, the um, exact opposite with you. I, I would think like there's sometimes I'm scratching my head. Like Rick's not questioning this. So I would hmm. never peg you as, as being too skeptical. That that's erroneous. Yeah, I mean it was it was really uh quite strange but um yeah i mean hey love a good skeptic like having them around um don't get offended when they are like oh no i really don't believe in that because i just don't care if people don't believe or whatever well there's two different kinds of skeptics there's the skeptic that's willing to hear you out and have a discussion Mm -hmm. and actually bring something to the table but then there's also that skeptic that they just they're just turned off and no matter what you present them, it, to me, that's not even a skeptic. Right. You know what I mean? That's just somebody that's not even open to, if you're not open to the discussion, don't come to me with your skepticism. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, if you if, if you're not willing to join in at least a little bit, I don't want to hear it. But you know, let's talk about somebody who believes a little bit too much, Stephen. You know, we've talked about him on the show before. Um, actually, fairly recently, I think it was either the last show or the show before. Steve Huff. Um, guy is quite possibly he he no not quite possibly he is a bigger con man than Zach. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I posted this thing on our Facebook um, group page the other day, and it's it's sort of like, I mean, the guy is just like doubling down on his bull, man. And I wanted to read this because I wanted to get your take on it, and I wanted to see what you say because there is a lot to unpack here. But it, it's the very last paragraph that really just blew my mind. And that it takes a lot to blow my mind. So I'm just going to read this. He says, yes, my spirit box and app are indeed scientifically proven. How so? When all you give a spirit is a voice and every app, device, box, etc., gives spirit a voice. This guy needs to work on his grammar and spelling. That is either reverse speech, gibberish, or another language other than what you speak. And their answers are English. Well. There you go. They are also direct, and they say they are spirits in the light, but yes, they scientifically that scientifically proves they are that they not only exist. I'm sorry, I'm trying to like get through this here, but they are changing the audio to form messages. I get asked often how I can say it has been proven. That is how. What? <laughs> the Miracle Box app alone proves it. And I have shown conversations with Spirit using just the app alone on my phone. As for the app, I would say only 10 to 15% can get results with it. Why so? Have you ever said why so before, Stephen? Never no, said so. <laughs> it's about the connection more than anything else. An app, an app box or device just gives you the Spirit, the tools to use after you allow them to find you. How do they find us? Via our soul. And how brightly lit it is with the light. If our light is dim, they will either not connect or we will connect with dark souls. If our soul is bright, we will attract light souls. This is how it works. When we have light, we can speak with any spirit we desire, dark or light, if they find us. After a dozen years of this, I have not only learned a lifetime worth of knowledge about the spirit realm. My life has been brightened in so many ways. I have written about this at length, made videos about it, etc. There's just something so obnoxious about people who overuse the word etc. Um, even so, many ask these questions again and again. So yes, what I do is real. Yes, our soul lives on as energy. Yes, our light builds from love and living a good life. Yes, my devices and work has been scientifically proven. It is a shame that, uh, okay, now here is the line that I was like, what? <laughs> so, yes, my device and work has been scientifically proven. It is a shame that real science has no interest. It's a shame that TV is only interested in entertaining the audience with drama, scares and staged evidence that i'm gonna go ahead and agree with um it's a shame 
that so many close their eyes to this. It's also a shame that many have no interest in learning more about it. Love you guys. Be well. Dude, there is so much to unpack in this statement, but the like that one sentence that I highlighted, it's a shame. Wait a minute, where, where did it go? Uh, yes, my, my devices work and has been scientifically proven. It is a shame that real science has no interest. Like when I read that last sentence, I was like, that is the most nonsensical, illogical shit I have ever read in my life. It's scientifically proven, but science has no interest. So, you know what, Stephen? I could see you like, you know, biting at the chomp right there. So go. Well, I mean, come on. You know, what what I see as a dude who has a degree in psychology is a master manipulator. Sure. That that entire diatribe, okay, that, that entire thing is to manipulate you. And he does it well. He does it well. Oh, he, he's a he, he's an amazing con man. He calls out the paranormal shows, so it mm -hmm. looks like he's on the actual side of reality, you know, the truth, you mm -hmm. know. But he again, he's another one of those guys that's actually mocking you, and you don't even right. most people don't realize it. Okay, dude, you can't say something is scientifically proven and then in the same breath say scientists they don't even care. Okay, they, they don't even they, they don't know anything about your fucking app, dude. Right? <laughs> Nobody in the scientific community. I, I'm not going to be able to call fucking uh, Eastern Carolina University or Duke and say, "Hey, what do you, what what do you guys think about Steve Huff's uh, fake ghost app?" They're going to be like, they're going like, to be like, "Who?" <laughs> and then there could be a ghost app. Okay. Secondly, I actually gave him the benefit of the doubt, and I thought, okay, that's a bold claim. Hold on a second. You're a better man than I because I absolutely cannot give this guy the benefit of the well, doubt. Okay. I, it was more of a it's got to be kind of thing in my head. Okay. So, sure, sure. and I've got to go see for myself, you know? So I thought, okay, if you're going to say this is scientifically proven, you've got to have something to back that up. And mm -hmm. no, it's not the sentence that follows that say scientists won't give it the time of day, right? Okay, so four out of five dentists approve. You know what I'm saying? Prime example, if Dentine is claiming that this does this to your teeth, they're saying four out of five dentists approve. They've actually had dentists make comment, okay, research right, it. Right. Okay, so I go to his website, the, the, well, not the whole thing, just the page uh, on this app, the, the Miracle app. Okay. The Miracle Box. I love the name of or, that. Okay, yeah, the Miracle Box. Miracle right? Box. So, and you can just break it down how many times he repeats himself, how many times he says, this isn't going to work for everybody. Mm -hmm. So, if I'm sorry, if you have a scientific machine that is proven by science to work, that means anybody should be able to work it. Right. Okay. We know with science, if I if I fill up a glass of water and stick it outside in freezing temperatures, it freezes. 
Exactly. That would be like me saying, but it's not going to work for everybody. Bullshit. Science has proven if you put that water outside in freezing temperatures, it's going to freeze for That's everybody. That's a really good analogy. I like that. You know, so it, 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 it's just you, you guys got to go to, to Huff Paranormal's website and read. He's constantly saying every other paragraph, this will not work for everybody. Mm-hmm. That there aren't actual words in the sound banks and you know he tries to wow you with technical jargon and all this stuff but i mean come on i don't know i think i just give society too much credit but it's like dude the man is saying this has been scientifically proven i expected to go to his website and see professors somebody Mm. with some form of credibility like like our like our guy um Oh man, fantastic guy, and, and I'm embarrassed. Isn't it? Uh, his name escapes me. We had him on the show, master EVP guy, man. Th- this is the guy that if he says it's a fucking EVP, you better fucking believe it's an EVP. You know right, who I'm right. talking about, man. We, yeah, we, I do. okay. He, you know, I know. I can't. I'm so dumbfounded by Steve Huff right now. Now, if you'd have had a quote from him, I'd, okay, there's some credibility to this, but there mm-hmm. is nothing. There is nothing but a sales pitch. That's right. all and that's, it is. And that's exactly what I what I'm thinking. That it's like it's a sales pitch for his uh, for his Patreon, Patreon or however you pronounce it. But you know, it's 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 funny how it's like you say that he manipulates. What he does is he uses like a lot of new age mumbo jumbo with what it is that he's saying. You know, the light, the dark. Right. You know, and and it's like. And of course, we're living in another age where it's much like spiritualism back in the 1800s. It's like people are looking for something to hold on to, something to believe. And then there's going to be con men out like this out there, you know, capitalizing on their belief and, um, you know, really just taking their money. Just taking like taking advantage of people, taking advantage yeah. of people. And, and, and you know, you can't, we've said it on this show before. You and I are both believers, but yes. also skeptics. We're both very critical with our investigation process. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we tackle it the, the best way possible in the most unbiased way. Okay. But it doesn't change the fact that nothing, not a damn thing that any of us have done has been recognized by science. Nothing. Not a video, not an audio clip, nothing. So for him to say that this thing works, you can't. You know, Mm -hmm. even though I I know the things I've seen, I know the things I've witnessed, you know, it's up to you or whoever to believe whether it's real or not. Frankly, I don't care. Yeah, I'm not not doing it for you to say I believe it or not. I'm not talking about you. I'm just in general. No, I know. You know, I Mm -hmm. actually do care about your opinion, but. You know, you, oh, so there's I, nothing has been proven, dude. Nothing. Yeah. All these shows, all, all this research, even as much as it pains me, even the, the, the gentleman that we grew up idolizing and reading. And, it, and, that's, and that's a product of their time because they didn't have the means to do the things that we can do now. Right. You know, right. I, I truly believe that 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 if Peter Underwood or Hans Holzer had had access to the resources we had today, there would have been some major fucking breakthroughs. Major. Oh, absolutely. 
And that was, and you know, and and I just wanted to, you know, to touch on this a little bit before we move on to our next topic. Um, if this was ever scientifically proven, like for example, if somebody caught an actual ghost, put it in a box where people could look at it and interact with it and measure it and categorize it, and uh, you know, scientifically show that it that ghosts do in fact exist, that there is an afterlife, people like you and I, it wouldn't be even in our field anymore. Right. That, like mainstream science would swoop in, take it over. And if they haven't already. If they, yeah. And it would, it would be taken out of our hands, you know, just the citizen investigator. Uh, I don't even like using the term scientist. I don't even like using the term science for this. I, you know, citizen investigator is enough for me, but if this ever were to happen, you know, it would be all of them writing papers, writing books, doing podcasts. It would be all gone. But wouldn't that, wouldn't that open up, Another can of worms, if you think about it, and, and and this is this is something kind of thought-provoking, Rick. Let's say you and me figured out a way to catch one, mm. and we put it on display like a monkey at a zoo. Okay, that's what I'm talking about, man. All right, so then you're dealing with ethics and morality. Okay, right. what gives us the right? to take the spirit of somebody's loved one and against their will by whatever scientific means we're using regardless of them how captive. long ago they died right you know now there there's a fine line there because i've thought about the loopholes you know if people donated their body to science and the paranormal was proven could you also donate it to spiritual research that's a that then, is then that would be okay right yeah absolutely it's uh you know to say first off i hate the word proof it's it, because it, there's so much attached to that word proof and when you say oh well i proved that ghosts exist well you're going to have a million people out there trying to disprove it and chances are at least one of them is going to be able to disprove it and I really have not thought of a word yet to use in place of proof. Now, in, you know, I do agree with one thing he says, kind of. Okay. Okay, where he says it's not going to work for everybody. Now, I don't believe his intent is, is the same thing that I'm thinking of. I believe his intent in saying that is covering his ass for a novelty item. Sure. You know, come on. You know, it's 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 like the 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 pills that make your dick bigger they don't work you know but you're gonna have steven knows it works for some people but it doesn't work for the other so if you're gonna say this is scientifically proven you are expected to show me that show me where it's scientifically proven if somebody says hey i got a 10 inch fucking dick from using this pill you better be damn sure you're going to whip that dick out in front of me. <laughs> I want to see it. Show me. Here at the chat, oh, here at the Shadow Initiative, we do not want to see your penis. So, go ahead. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You see what I'm saying? Maybe. I don't know. I think we've derailed already. Yeah, I think let's let's move on to our next 
topic of discussion. What do you got for us, Stephen? What do I got? Yeah, I thought you had something for us. You did? I what did. I have is out of focus no matter what I do. Look at this. I'm going brighter. Now, that's that's my natural light coming off my body. Not everybody can do this. Yeah, I just want it's to scientifically proven. That's going to be my new thing. This isn't going to work for everybody. That's going to be my new thing. <laughs> All courtesy of the fraud known as Steve Huff. But, you know, I, I, I will say this. I will bring this to today's show because I think you got us pretty covered for today. I, I mm-hmm. will say this. Um, I had a really interesting discussion of of all places at a flea market last um, last weekend. I love flea markets, and and I was recognized, which I fucking hate. Okay, which brought up the questions of paranormal, and it was a whole group of people. They all pulled up chairs. We all stood there and sat there talking, and it was really a nice discussion with just. I don't want to say average people, but just people who aren't in this field. Okay. They're not even into this. They watch the TV shows. And that's what a lot of the questions were. Is this really, what's this long Island medium is, is she really doing this? So I had to introduce them to Google, Mm -hmm. you know, and how you can find out this, that, and the other thing from Google. And it was just an interesting discussion because I think we're starting to see, um, we're starting to see people, waking up a little bit you know like hey you know and i and i'm not gonna say we're gonna take credit for that because there's more than just us out there that are really trying to get people to understand you know not necessarily believe but just understand right right but that was interesting i i i I didn't expect it you know and it was an uh, it was an older crowd you know, I'm 45. I was the youngest one there. Everybody else had to be 50, 60 years old. And mm-hmm. they were genuinely asking questions about what people like you and me do versus the television shows. I, I yeah. That... Uh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, I just, that was okay. it. I was just going to say, yeah, you know, you know, with people waking up, I think that people are really starting to kind, like you said, people are starting to you know, be like, you know, the TV shows are, it's, it's, they're stupid. It's a con. Um, there's no possible way. Like take, you know, Mr. Bagans, for example, I guess that they just had their first episode of their new season and God damn it. The man got possessed. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> it, it just, it goes, it's, it's illogical uh, that every place you're going to go is have an evil, has, will have an evil spirit between the two of us, Stephen, we have about 60 years of experience between the two of us investigating hauntings. Um, I've only ever come across one thing where it actually made me question, is this something that has really never been human? And then I came away with it like, no, this is just some guy who in life was a complete asshole and carried that over into his death. And that's funny. Um, I, I, I had that same discussion with these folks. The same yeah. thing, how demon has just become this just accepted word, you know? And I'm like, look, y'all, there, there's, do you believe that there's a monster with horns and fangs and possibly wings and a spiked tail? And they're like, well, no. I was like, well, then what do you think a demon is? What's a demon? You know, and nobody right. could answer that question. And, and I told them the exact thing you just said. If you're an asshole in real life, you're going to be an asshole in the afterlife. But the shows, they're not actually really dealing with anything paranormal. 
They're just pretending to. That's the big difference. Exactly. So moving on to our next topic of discussion, we were talking about dick size before. Um, it, well, at least Stephen was anyway. So we're going to talk about something that Stephen has heard, two words that he's heard quite a few times in his life. Size matters. <laughs> big gulp, buddy. Big gulp. Big gulp. Um, so and now when we're talking about size matters, we're not talking about the size of one's masculinity. We are talking about the size of paranormal groups. Okay. So another thing with the TV shows that they have sold us on the idea that you cannot properly investigate a haunting without having no less than five or six to ten people there with you at the time. Um, I've actually belonged to a few of these groups, Stephen, and um, there are reasons that I don't like being involved in large groups. But before I get to my reasons I don't like belonging to large groups, what are your reasons for not like for not belonging to large groups? Well, I, I don't think there's a, a general rule to this. Um, I, I think it's it's how you implement your team. That's the right. issue. OK, back back at the peak of my team, the pit crew. There were eight of us comprised of medical professionals, former military, former law enforcement carpenters electricians people who had a skill to disprove okay mm -hmm. at maybe two investigations all eight of us were involved and that was because it was an investigation with grandeur right the battleship north carolina you could run with 30 people in there all going in different directions and never cross paths that's understandable. If you've only got one night, run in there with eight people, 12 people, you know, because you've got a lot of ground to cover. However, yeah. having that same amount in a residential investigation, mm -hmm. I, I always, if, it, if I wasn't doing it by myself, I would have one more, maybe two. Right. You know, and one was mostly outside watching surveillance. You know, it was never even in the building. You know, because it can hinder you when, when you're dealing with that many people all scattered around a, a haunted location. And you pretty much got to dismiss anything aside from getting picked up and thrown across the room. You know, you've got to dismiss anything audible. Anything audible. There's too much contamination going through. And these old buildings, man, it's like the battleship. You can step right here. And it will cause an effect all the way down to the end, up three flights to somebody who just thought something moved behind them. Right, right. You know, it, it's, there's a time and place, yes. But like the, these novelty investigations, you know, when people go out to these, hey, let's go to, you know, the, the insane asylum, you know, we're selling tickets, $200 a piece, there's going to be. 80 of you in this building. Dude, that's a joke to me. That is an absolute joke to me. You oh. know, up until I started, you know, I had a big team for one purpose. So I could do more investigations. And it, and it became like a filter process. So if uh, there was a case in Spring Lake, North Carolina, I'd send three of my investigators up for a weekend to do it. And then report back to me, was it worth it? 
If it mm-hmm. was, then I will go up with like my head investigator and we'll see what happens. You know, we could spread out and, and kind of filter out the bullshit, filter out what was influenced by TV, you know, to, so we could really focus on the cases that mattered. Sure. But for the most part, they, they've tur- they, they've lost the whole reason. It, it's, it's about size and it's, it's about a club. You know, and it's, you know, this is my whole team. Look at how cool we are standing here, you know. With our arms crossed, wearing black t-shirts. Yes, you've lost, you've lost the whole purpose of what you're trying to do. It becomes about the team and not about the research. Right. Exactly. And those are my, those are my thoughts too. I mean, you know, when you look back at this historically, and believe it or not, this kind of research and investigation did exist prior to, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the Super Mario Brothers of the paranormal world taking over. And I'm talking, of course, about ghost hunters. Um, This did exist. And before then, it was either an investigator was on their own or they were working with an assistant and usually a psychic medium. Mm -hmm. Historically, that was how it was done. Um, I myself, you know, prior to, you know, this becoming like the big paraboom of 2004, I worked alone on many investigations, even going into people's homes. Me too. And it's like, you were talking about how you're kind of tripping over each other. Like I was involved in this one group uh, a number of years ago, and I'm not going to say their name because it ended quite badly. Um, so we would go on, we did a lot of residentials and there would be like five, six, seven, eight, nine people in a two or three bedroom house. And you had you would have some people upstairs, you'd have some people on the main floor, you'd have some people in a basement if there was one or an attic or whatever. And it's like, that was too many people and too much had to be tossed out. So it's like, you would hear a whisper and you're like, was that really a whisper or was that, you know, so-and-so in the next room? So it's like more was had to be tossed out than more was being accepted and shown to the uh, to the homeowner or the business owner. So yeah, I mean I'm the same exact way. It's like you don't you don't want to have too many people in a small place. Now for example, like with your battleship or um you know that that big place in Kentucky Waverly Hills, mm. that's a huge building where you can have, you know, 10 people here, 10 people there, 10 people wherever, and they will never cross paths. That is totally understandable, but it's, you just, you throw too much out and how you were talking about, it becomes a club. But here's another thing that needs to be considered. When you're part of a large group, you have everybody jockeying or vying to the same thing. They all want to be the best in the group. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons I had to quit the huge group that I belonged to was because I was accused of trying to take the group over. Now, Stephen, you know me. Um, I am very loyal, almost to a fault. And I've actually had many people tell me that. And it's like, if I'm loyal to you and I'm working with you and I respect you, I am not going to try and usurp your authority or your, um, you know, being lead investigator or whatever. And the reason that I was accused of that was is because I had brought to the lead investigator that um, I thought it was a good idea to split the group up into different teams. 
team A, team B. That way you could be in one place and then you could have another lead and an investigate a bunch of investigators in a second place. So then I was, that's what, why somebody accused me of trying to take over the group. I have no idea who made the accusation because there was like 15 people in this group. So it was like 15 people to choose from. And uh, I think that when you have these large groups, you have like this drama that mm. everybody always speaks about in the paranormal world. And that's, you know, one of the reasons that I up and quit this group, because I'm not going to have somebody accuse me of doing something that I'm not doing just because you want to start shit. I, I agree, man. You know, it, it's kind of funny because something my, my wife and I and uh, we're going to have her on the show um, here in October to talk about her experiences. Wait a second. I'm going to finally meet the woman that puts up with you. That's right. Oh, You're going to finally meet Miss Big Gulp. <laughs> I'm sure Christina will like that you called her Miss Big Gulp. So, anyways, to get back to my point here, you know, we're starting to take cases um, pri more private, less uh, commercial. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're not really bragging about it on Facebook and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. But one of the things I want to start doing is because, you know, I, I'm, I'm very tech-oriented. Uh, and uh, I want to get a vehicle and, and basically a mobile mobile surveillance, mm -hmm. essentially, okay? And the, the, this next wave of investigations we have coming up, I don't want us to even go in the building. Oh, interesting. Now, we'll have to. We'll have to go in there. I want to mic every room. I want mm -hmm. to add two cameras showing both angles of every room. And then leave. And then leave and sit in that van or whatever vehicle we get and watch. Because then you could truly say if you saw something fly across, or fly across the room or, or you heard a voice or you see a chair move, just anything we would deem paranormal. Nobody was even in the fucking building. Right. We right. just documented spiritual activity happening in this house. And it can't be dismissed as a team member's stomach. It can't be dismissed as somebody walking across upstairs, you know, which caused something downstairs. And I think that would be a very interesting experiment. I have always said, and it's pissed a lot of people off because there, there's uh, many investigators out there who claim the battleship North Carolina is extremely, extremely fucking haunted. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not one of them. Okay. Now there, there's some things that I walked out of there. I, I did it six times, I think. Um, but yeah, I can't explain. Um, but that doesn't mean anything. I've always said the best way to investigate that beast is to run cameras and microphones through the entire thing and leave. Love it. Let it all run. Let it all record for 24 hours. Come back. Gather up all your shit. And then take the time reviewing all of it. So if something actually happened, no, but you could immediately rule out human interference. I like that idea. I would actually be on board with that. And then you've got the stuff documented. Then go in there. Then go in and see what you can change or alter or, or make happen because now there's human intervention. Right. It's that symbiotic relationship mm -hmm. between uh, 
the living and the dead. So yeah, I really like that idea. But Yay. you know, I think that that's you know that's where we're coming from with you know the whole size matters things. You know, maybe try and split up your team, or you know, if you're going to start a team, and and this is this is actually one of the other discussions that I wanted to bring up, and that that is a um, a good piece of advice for somebody that's like you know, gee, Mister, how do I become a ghost hunter? Um, that's a good one. Be involved in a small group. That would be some advice that I give to a new investigator. Well, Rick, you have well, got Steve. some <laughs> wickedly entertaining uh, stories oh, for man. this week's news of the weird. They were so I, good. I didn't even bother looking for any. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> this is all going to be on Rick. Okay, so we're going to sandwich this in with a self-amputation in between a couple of really bizarre, sexually-oriented kind of uh, uh, stories. But, you know, here at the Shadow Initiative, Paranormal Talking TV, we like to present people with new stories that, well, they don't really get the fair shake that they deserve in the mainstream media, or they're not really reported on. And this is three of them. So... Let's begin with da, 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 alleged masturbating man in Salem bar arrested after taser <laughs> proves ineffective, officials say. This comes from the... <laughs> <laughs> that pun was not intended. <laughs> oh, my God. I said it once before, folks. We're like a third oh my class God. only less mature. So this um originated <laughs> from oregonlive.com so here we go a a beaverton man <laughs> god knows you can't make this up <laughs> a beaverton man was arrested following a string of erratic outbursts that culminated in the suspect allegedly masturbating in a Salem roadhouse officials said it took a taser and more than a dozen officers on Sunday to finally subdue Andrew Frey inside Iggy's Bar and Grill on Portland Road in Northeast, the Marion County Sheriff's Office said. The 37-year-old man later told authorities he had used methamphetamine. So this, so this dude was like hyped on some crystal meth, man. The day before and had no recollection of the alleged wild behavior, according to officials. The brouhaha, and I will love any article that uses the word brouhaha. Um, around 1 p.m., when sheriff's deputies started receiving reports of man acting bizarrely in the 9,000 block of Brook Lake Road Northeast, the man, identified as Frey, had allegedly called the locksmith and later refused to pay the worker for his services, Marion County officials said. After allegedly stiffing, ah, <laughs> After allegedly stiffing the locksmith, Frey wandered over to Brooks Market and refused to leave, officials again said. Um, an employee at the market had to eventually escort the alleged suspect off the property, who then made his way to Iggy's Bar and Grill. That's when Faye's behavior allegedly took a turn for the vulgar. The bartender told authorities that Frey exposed his genitals and started masturbating at the bar, officials said. By the time a Marion County deputy arrived on scene, Frey had moved from the bar 
to the bathroom, but reportedly had not stopped pleasuring himself. Story number one in this week's <laughs> News of the Strange. So, I love it. Beaverton, stiffing the locksmith. <laughs> like, like you said, dude, you cannot make this shit up. But could you imagine this? Like, you got like this dude wildly jerking off in front of you, and you keep hitting him with tasers, and it's like he tasers? won't go down. Yeah, it's like just going. Yeah, you know, but I, I have one question. Okay. How you know I, I have issues with the writer of this article. Now they they get the points for the for the, for the puns. Okay, they get the points for that. But how does one allegedly masturbate? Oh yeah, I mean that's kind of one of those things that you either are masturbating or, or you're not, not masturbating. How right. do you allegedly do it? Right. These are the questions, folks. But there's one thing that they didn't really say. In the article, did he finish? Yeah, was it a happy ending? I mean, I'm just kind of curious. I, I I wanted to know was he able to finish before you know too many tasers and it finally put him down. But uh, I mean, I want to know, you know, what situation brought this on to where it was so important that you're going to be tased and continue. I mean, this guy, he was set on it, man. What put him down that path? That's what I want to know. So I will end it with this. The long and short of it uh, is say no to drugs, kids. <laughs> yes. Please do. Okay. So here's one. This is, this is, it's sad. And the only reason I bring it up is because it's one of those ones where um, we need Definitely, we're not going to make fun of it, but we do need to highlight the fact that this was a highly mentally disturbed individual. And that's the only reason that I bring it here. But this is from NBC News. And Arkansas man amputates his leg in front of his five-year-old daughter. Like, this is a legit story. This shit really happened. An Arkansas man amputated his right leg with a saw last month in front of his five-year-old daughter according to court records filed last week. Shannon Cox, 48, is... Stephen, I swear to God, dude. <laughs> I know I'm hey, following... Hey, you pick it. You, you pick them, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Shannon Cox, 48, is facing a felony charge of endangering the welfare of a minor according to probable cause affidavit. On August 2nd, a corporal with the Boone County Sheriff's Office found a naked cox. <laughs> now, folks at home, these stories are real. You can look them up online. We are not adding words to this. Okay, moving along. <laughs> Who was missing a portion of his right leg on the ground in front of the residence, the affidavit said. When the officer asked Cox, what caused the injury? He said a chop saw, according to the affidavit. Cox was airlifted to a hospital, the affidavit said. His daughter, who was not identified, told officials that she was present when her dad cut his own leg off, the document indicates. The child still seemed to be in some state of shock. No shit. During the interview with the law enforcement officials that took place at a child's advocacy group, the affidavit said. I mean, 
this story is so disturbing. And, you know, I, I think of it because like I'm, I am an amputee, right? I'm, I'm a below knee left. I'm a left below knee amputee. And, um, I still have a little bit of, um, trauma concerning sure. this. I mean, as anybody would, but could you imagine you're fi- doing this in front of your five-year-old child? Absolutely I mean, not. Christ. This child will be in, um, therapy for the rest of her life and the only reason i wanted to bring it up because it is it it does need to be highlighted that there are people out there who do suffer from very serious mental illness and we're sorry for laughing and stuff like that you know especially especially steven over here with uh naked hey don't you put this on me (laughs) don't you put this on me i guess i guess i never really thought about it when i was going to when i was trying to follow up the uh masturbating man um high on crystal meth but yeah it's uh this is definitely one of those sad stories and we really do hope the best for this little girl that and we hope for the best for this gentleman as well that he gets the help that he deserves and needs and finds some kind of peace well i i, I want to try to bring a positive out of this and it, and it's not really for him you know it's got to make you think man you know you hear stories all the time of people who are in these dire situations fight or flight man life or death mm-hmm. you know like homeboy that got stuck up in the in the mountains rock climbing and he had to take off his own arm or he was gonna die you remember right. that you know he's stuck oh, yeah he, yeah okay they made a movie out of that right you know this stuff happens all the time and it makes you wonder because I, i'm telling you man you've got to have some kind of chemical imbalance to pull that off because mm-hmm. your body's natural fight against is trying to stop you right from doing it i mean to to like you know you think about the saw movie okay the first saw, you know he had to cut his foot off I to get out you know well he okay you know uh the dread pirate roberts as i call him uh, you know carrie Eulis. oh carrie Eulis. He had to cut his uh, he had to cut his leg, his foot off to get out of the shackle to escape. You know, I could see you know being in these situations, being able to do something like that from pure adrenaline. Yeah, but but the people that there's no adrenaline as an excuse. There's no like life or you know your life's not being threatened. That can just do that shit. That man, that is like. That's scary to me. That's scary to oh, me. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, you know, like you said with the with the climber, yeah. I mean, I, I can totally understand that. But uh just to do something like that, just to do it in front of your own child like that is is truly disturbing. Yeah. So we need a palate cleanser after that one, Stephen. And our third story of this one is definitely a palate cleanser. Um, dildos and lubricants scattered across US highway after truck flips over. This comes to us from what happened there? From the independent.co UK. I keep losing the story here, so hopefully I can do this. Uh, dildos and lubricant were seen scattered across an Oklahoma interstate after a semi-truck flipped over and lost its load <laughs> on Wednesday, 14 September. 
Footage from KWTV's News 9 shows the scene as a wrecked truck and apparent sex toys blocked the on-ramp to the I-40 by Mustang Road in Oklahoma City. Broadcaster, broadcasters can be heard awkwardly trying to figure out what the boxes contained during their live reporting of the crash with the feed zooming in. Why? Sorry about that. It keeps like taking me to another story. That's really weird. Probably because they're trying to get rid of this story. Wreck uh, led to the closure of the interstate for several hours. Now, a close friend of mine who is gay, uh, <laughs> I sent him this story and he's like, oh man, it's like gay Christmas. <laughs> But uh, I mean, could you imagine coming up on that wreck? Like, like these people are like, "Whoa, what is in these boxes?" Holy shit! It's dildos and uh, and lube. So you know, I just want to say again, remember, folks, this is not a family show. Do not let your kids listen to this. You know, Rick, it um, make it makes me feel bad for the driver because let's face facts here. Okay, he nobody knows that's what he transports. Okay, sure. He don't call his mom and say, hey, I've got this fantastic job. I get to drive fucking 10 inch dildos across country. You know, nobody says that. Nobody is telling their parents that. No, 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 no. No. In fact, he's probably saying, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, transporting video games or right, uh, right. puppy dogs or something. something for the military, you know, make it, yeah. you know, really make it important. But the, I feel for him because it's like. I could see it now, man. This happens. It airs on television. Homeboy's sitting there at home like, man, my boss is going to be pissed. And his phone rings. And it's his mother. Mm -hmm. Johnny? I saw you on the news. Why didn't you tell me you were hauling around the devil's toys? You know? Kicking a a nine-inch dildo across the road. This guy's life will never be the same. This guy's life will never be the same. That's that's the real, the real tragedy here. The real tragedy here. I I just love again, the writer of this article lost its load. <laughs> I mean seriously, like you you know you and, and if this person is anything like us, he is either. <laughs> like that lost its load and you you just you just know that he's that he's giggling or she's giggling the entire time they're doing it and this is why people like you and me exist will never will never have a true job in broadcasting <laughs> we we have to create our own show because dude i couldn't sit there in a serious setting and deliver this news <laughs> i couldn't i could not do it <laughs> Can you imagine sitting behind the anchor's desk and as soon as he says lost his load, I would break down in tears from laughing. So I, you know, I'd be sitting and coming up next, I'd lose it right there. I would lose it right there. <laughs> or with a faster fading guy. It's like, but did he come? <laughs> I mean, these I, people want to know. We're not the only sick fucks out there. No, no, we are not. So Moving right along for this incredibly weird and bizarre um, news of the weird, Stephen, we're heading down to your neck of the woods. Now I know you're in. I know you're in North Carolina, so we're going to be going down to South Carolina. You know the south side of the Carolinas, right? So to scape or swamp for creature of the week.
Now, this is definitely one of my favorite creatures. Big one. Yep, big one. I've said that. Yeah, I know that I've said that a lot. But this is the lizard man. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody always talks about seeing Bigfoot or seeing the Beast of Bray Road or seeing the dog man. No, this is the lizard man. And I'm sure you've heard of this one, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I lived in South Carolina for 10 years. Right. And the crypto cases we would take, we did get a lot of requests to go up there. I can't remember the name of the town. Was it start with a B, Bishopville or something like that? Yeah, but yeah exactly. Okay, yeah. It, you it's know, in it, County. And it's like, dude, you can't go investigate something that happened in the 80s. Right, right. You know, it was the 80s. I mean, I, that's what I remember. But anyway. going into the 80s and 90s, but every now and then somebody still has a claims to see the lizard man. Right. So let's hear so, about the lizard man. So, yeah. Well, I'm trying to tell you, Stephen. Oh, I'm, um, so, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> the creature itself came to national attention sometime in the 1980s following an attack on a 17 year old kid. Now, this kid, his name is Christopher Davis. He was just coming home from work late one night and he gets a flat tire near scape or swamp mm-hmm. and you know he's out there trying to you know trying to fix the tire all of a sudden he hears something big running up I feel like my nose is bleeding he feels like something big is running up behind him he looks over and holy shit it's a seven foot tall lizard man like the way that he described this thing, it's like, you know, the red glowing eyes. And I mean, it looked like an upright lizard. He was so terrified. He immediately went to the police. Now, when I, now I know that a lot of people are like, you know, hey, he's a 17 year old kid. Um, you can't really take what they say. No, this kid, I believe he legitimately saw something. He legitimately saw something that scared the shit out of him. And the cop that he, that he went to, um believes his story as well and this was like the sheriff it was the sheriff of lee county went out with him and noticed that on his car were scratch marks okay yeah i I was wondering if we were talking about the same case because that's what i was thinking like actual like through the metal Mm -hmm. fucking claws like that that's some badass shit Right. But this is not the only time that the lizard man has taken its anger out on other cards um, or, or out on cars. There was a couple other ones where he had actually attacked cars that was nobody was in, but was sitting in their driveway. Um, so the lizard man fell off the radar until about 2008 when another unusual attack was reported near the swap. A woman awoke to discover that something big and mean destroyed her SUV. Like whatever this thing was, just went to town on her SUV, just beat the living shit out of it. Deep scratches covered the car and whatever it was managed to tear the bumper off with its teeth. Um, When the report was taken, it was written down as an animal attack perpetrated by a large dog. Now I've had large dogs and there is no large dog that is going to bite into the bumper of a car and tear it off, right? Um, the people of Lee County, South Carolina, know better. No dog could have possibly done the damage to this woman's car. Lizard man was the only possible explanation. So the creature known as lizard man is still seen from time to time in scape or swamp. Cryptozoologists have suggested the lizard man is not a lizard, but an exceptionally untidy Bigfoot. And as for the footprints found, a plaster cast were taken and sent to the FBI and biologists. 
no one can come to an agreement as to what manner of animal made them. Okay, so let's let's look at this honestly. Now, from what I understand, um, evolutionary biologists believe that if dinosaurs had survived the mass the mass extinction, they would evolved into something that came close to looking like a lizard man. Mm -hmm. That is highly unlikely, in my opinion. I don't think that that's going to happen. But I am willing to entertain the thought that this was, as it says, a particularly untidy Bigfoot. That one I can't accept as it being a possibility. Now, Stephen, you're from the area. Mm -hmm. And you lived in that era. You've been to this place. Do you think it's possible that something like this or a small population of something like this could be in existence there? It's certainly possible. Uh, what, what's always captivated me about the lizard man is the same thing that has always captivated me about Sasquatch is the FBI has actual files on these two creatures. You know, if you remember our very first episode, our very first episode, episode one, two years ago, um, we talked about the FBI opening the vaults publicly on these old cases. And one was on Sasquatch. And we showed the documents on the show, and it showed that they had hair samples. Their documents stated they could not determine what kind of animal this evidence came from. Okay, now we're talking about people that should be able to. They've got the resources to, you know, and then you have the same thing with the, the lizard man. I don't, geographically, I don't think I could agree with Sasquatch because the, the Sasquatch is a coated animal, or if you want to call mm -hmm. it that. Uh, it would not survive in the South. You know, it's too hot. You know, we're yeah. talking 115 degrees and homeboy is going to be walking around a swamp in long hair. Nah, I don't know. Unless they evolved enough to, to use clippers. Well, I was going to say, unless you know. they developed and evolved in that in that kind of um, environment, which, you know, it's Bigfoot possible. Doesn't. Yeah. It, it's, it's possible because I've always said that I believe Yeti, the abominable Sasquatch are all the same creature. They just like like certain rabbits. Uh, their hair turns white in the winter to better protect them from their prey. And I think the same thing happens with Sasquatch. His coat lightens, so he's better camouflaged in snowy atmospheres, stuff like that. Um, and the same could be said for Lizard Man. But again, it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible whether it have been a, a mutation. And and another thing that I will bring up that, that gives me um, a little more credibility to this story and I don't want anybody at home to take this the wrong way. I just want you to look at facts. And, and you know, you take Barney and Betty Hill. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, you had an interracial black couple, which was not acceptable at that time. Right. Coming out and talking about their alien and UFO experience. That's mm -hmm. some major balls. Why would yeah. you put yourself out there in the limelight when you're already kind of, um, not being accepted right yeah okay and here we have this young man in the 80s if i remember right was a black kid right Correct. so what black kid you know is it, that gives it more credibility to me and i'm not saying that as a racist because i'm the last person that's a racist i'm just saying that i believe he truly believed it 
to come out there and put himself out there like that as a as a young black man. Yeah, I agree. And it's and, and, and I think it just adds a lot of credibility to this that the sheriff I means like the guy that is in ch- like the top law enforcement official in Lee County, even he himself was like, I believe what Christopher Davis said happened to him. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say this to end the, you know, this creature of the week. I believe him too. I believe Christopher Davis saw something that absolutely terrified him. And I would love to be able to, you know, speak to Mr. Davis today. Cause I'm sure he's like some dude in his forties, maybe mm-hmm. even fifties now. Um, I'm, I'm wondering like, do you still remember this? Do you still think about this? Um, yeah. I would love to talk to him. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, good picture of the week. Yeah. So, so we're going to wrap this show up this week uh, with part five and the final installment of Trailing Peter Underwood, the Curry Mallet Manor House. I'm Rick Hale, and this is Ghostwatch. In the spring of 1988, stories of unnerving ghosts and strange hauntings at a 900-year-old Curry Mallet Manor house came to the attention of ghost hunter and president of the ghost club, Peter Underwood. And, as was often his practice, the ghost hunter sent a letter to the owner of the house, Dita Mallet. Mrs. Mallet was a 91-year-old woman who could directly trace her ancestry to a Norman knight who fought bravely alongside William the Conqueror at the Battle of Hastings in 1066. Not long after sending his letter, Dita wrote back with some disappointing news. She no longer owned the house, and she sold it to a Mr. Daniel O'Sullivan and his family. However, Mrs. Mallet felt confident that the new owner would be open to allowing such an event in his new home. All Peter had to do was ask. Peter Underwood approached the new owner, who was understandably reluctant to allow such an inquiry. He explained he was fearful that an investigation might breathe new life into the paranormal forces that currently lay dormant in his house. The last thing he wanted to do was expose his family to anything frightening. Completely understanding of his concerns, Peter assured Mr. O'Sullivan that such a thing rarely occurred and he had nothing to fear. Peter further explained that all he and his colleagues wanted to do was scientifically investigate the house by taking temperature readings, photographs, and recording any unexplained sounds. After giving it serious consideration, Daniel O'Sullivan changed his mind and gave permission to the learned ghost hunters to come in and inspect his home. When Peter Underwood and 14 members of the Ghost Club arrived at Curry Mallet, they were met with a friendly cup of tea. And Mrs. Dita Mallet regaled the eager group with the history and hauntings of the timeless manor. The house itself was over 900 years old, but it sat on the foundations of an earlier and older structure, a wooden Saxon castle. According to Dita, Curry Mallet played host to three of Britain's kings, William the Conqueror, Henry II, and King John. All broke bread and feasted in the Great Hall, during their respective eras. 
Dita further explained that the three streams ran under the house, and these waterways are believed to be the source of the Holy Well of Glastonbury. Throughout its history, the surrounding region saw a great deal of war and bloodshed. The Monmouth Rebellion happened nearby, and Crimson Hill flowed with the blood of the combatants of the Battle of Sedgemoor, resulting in several reported hauntings. As for the ghosts of Curry Mallet Manor House, they were almost too innumerable to count. In the courtyard, the unmistakable sounds of clashing swords and voices raised in combat have been heard. Visitors and residents of the house claim to witness the ghostly image of a woman carrying keys, silently making her way throughout the house. It's believed she was a former maid, still going about her chores long after her death. The image of a gentleman dressed in Elizabethan attire has been nervously pacing about the great hall, his voice raised in prayer to Almighty God for the safety of his beloved England. A room overlooking the Rose Garden is said to be the domain of a spirit of a battered woman who is kept in prison there by her cruel husband, a former owner of the house. Several people have remarked that upon entering the room, an overwhelming sense of despair causes them to immediately flee. Miss Mallet had experienced this herself on more than one occasion. And lastly, the garden appears to be host to a multitude of lost souls experienced by almost everyone who walks among its finely manicured flowers. Armed with all this information, Peter Underwood and his Ghost Club colleagues were eager to get their investigation underway. And what an investigation it would prove to be. Throughout the house, several thermometers were placed to check temperatures along with several trigger objects that would hopefully entice the ghost to come and inspect them. One of those trigger objects, a dagger, was moved from its spot by an unknown person. A curious creaking sound was heard in the garden, accompanied by a bone-chilling cold spot. And in the haunted courtyard where the sounds of combat have been heard, two members could make out a voice, dragging out the name, Julie. A thermometer was moved three feet from its spot when a member went to document any temperature changes, and an unpleasant odor was detected in several areas of the house. With all this activity by clearly purposeful entities, Peter Underwood came to the conclusion that it would be an appropriate time to conduct a seance. He hoped that whomever these entities were would come forward and communicate with them. He was not disappointed. In all, a marathon of five seances were held each time a ghost calling itself F.R. came through. According to this entity, he lived during the 1600s and was murdered and buried in the garden. F.R. claimed he was displeased because his remains were disturbed, making it difficult to rest. F.R. further revealed that he wasn't the only entity in Curry Mallet Manor House. Several lost souls called the house and garden home. Lost souls who would never know the peace of the grave. Peter Underwood and his team walked away from Curry Mallet Manor House with a memorable night. This ancient house proved to be one of the most active investigations on record. Curry Mallet Manor House was one he and his colleagues would never forget. I'm Rick Hale, and this was Ghost Watch. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, and if you if you want to read that, you can go to spookyisles.com where not only can you read like 
hundreds, if not thousands of articles by myself, but by other great um, writers. And one of those was our very first guest, Anne Massey from Ireland. Yes, Anne Massey. We need to have her back on. She was a good we time. Knew. She was our she was our most uh, popular guest, and some it's amazing. But uh, she's you know she's she's a really nice lady, really knowledgeable, and uh, but yeah. So go to spookyisles.com, Read all that you could see there. It's all about the United Kingdom and Ireland. It's it's a it's a great website and a great resource. So there's your lesson for today, kids. We want to thank you for tuning in once again to Shadow Initiative Talk. If you guys are listening to us and you're new to the show, we do have a visual version of this show that airs on the Label 13 uh, YouTube channel. Because uh, sometimes we're showing actual paranormal evidence, uh, stuff from investigations. Excuse me, especially when uh, we get into rolling in October. Um all bets are off. We're going to be showing you guys the goods. It's going to be awesome. So keep your stories coming. We are doing an episode. Um, the deadline is October 15th, where Rick and I read the stories that you tell us, your experiences with the paranormal. We'll read a story. We'll chat it out a little bit, give our own thoughts and opinions, and then move on to the next. We've got four so far, so please reach out to us. You can hit us up at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative or shadow initiative talk at gmail.com. Isn't that right, Rick? That's right. And, you know, hey, it was, a you know, another great show um, filled with a lot of shenanigans as it typically is. Yeah, that's um, we should have just named the show Shadow Shenan- Initiative Paranormal Shenanigan. Yeah. That, well, well, you know, I think it's too late now to uh, rename or rebrand, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't work. Doesn't work. That's but what we're known for on the streets. Yeah, right. We are. Our brand is. We have no brand, as I like to. Well, oh, that's not true. We do. We're we're the brand of truth. You know, we're we're the brand of of exposing the, the American way. the lies. And the manipulation of the paranormal world where there's not many people out there doing that because they don't want to be those guys, yeah, you know, exactly. but many of them think it, many of them know it, they've been a part of it, but they just don't want to put their necks out. And that's okay. We'll do it for you. <laughs> we'll, we'll be there. those guys. <laughs> yes. So with that being said, guys, thanks again for tuning in. I am author and paranormal researcher, Stephen Lancaster. With my good buddy, author, and paranormal investigator, a.k.a. the legendary ghost hunter, Rick Hale. Legendary? Okay. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I got. Yeah, I don't know where that came from either. <laughs> Anyways, guys, we will see you all next time. Have a good week. See ya. <laughs>